The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing this day? Doing all right, finalizing some uh, SummerSlam weekend business. Uh, you know, the major cog we've uh, finalized, so now it's just where we're going to fill in the blanks for the rest of the weekend. Nice. Um, is it... Uh, so tactically, I can't even say it... Uh, with with the uh, looking forward at trying to figure out where you're going to put things, how you're going to get things in, is it easy for you to um, figure out what would be beneficial for you guys um, without knowing necessarily all of what is going to be going on from different companies running different places? Um, you know, a lot of out of town talent coming on. You got the um, the tryouts going on with WWE. How do you balance that activity with putting together stuff that will not only be you know shows that will attract people, but in the end will also be um, besides exposure, be profitable for you guys. Well, first off, our only concern is what WWE is doing that weekend. I'm not really concerned if we want to do a show. Like, obviously, we're working with GCW. Right. And they're going to be doing a Friday night show. So for us to do a show the same time with them is just dumb. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Will we get our fans? Sure. Will they get their fans? Sure. But they're going to be doing a Friday evening show, say seven o'clock. Well, that gives us some freedom on Friday night to maybe do a 10 or 11 PM thing, whether it's my thinking is we do a natural born killer show that Friday night. That way it's, it's a totally different show than GW's presenting. Okay. This one's more of their blood sport type, you know, MMA style matches and you know we already got Tom Lawler and Graves and uh, Simon Gotch and you know some of the other guys that happen to live in town the Cal Jacks and Tito Escondidos and, and just that normal crew that has continually worked our events Dave Mazzani you know Ryan Walker from Bellator things like that so I think a, a late night Friday night thing would be beneficial. So yesterday I was talking with Brett from GCW, you know, trying to get this thing in check because they got a lot of shows going on for the next two months, like I said. Right. But we have 
have to get our stuff done here because then it opens up what we're going to do during the rest of the weekend. So we both agreed that doing the joint GCW versus FSW show is going to happen before SummerSlam. We're going to do it at 12 noon on that Saturday. That way people are waking up instead of, you know, when you, when you go to a football game and, and you go early, I forgot what it's called. The, I was thinking about the other day. The, the tailgating. You're basically. Tailgate party, yeah. right. So instead, we're the tailgate party at 12 noon. Uh, we run till about 2, 2.30. It gives everybody plenty of time since we're 10 minutes away from Allegiant. Right. You know, you want to use our parking lot? Sure. Who cares? You know, and get the Uber over. But it's it's a ten to twelve minute drive, yeah. maybe a little more, but still, you know, people will be there by three thirty, the latest. So even if you don't want to, you know, even if you want to sit in the stands at the pre-show at four forty-five or four thirty, depending on, I'm assuming it starts at five from what everything yeah. I've seen. So it gives them plenty of time. So then we have the option of, hey, buy a ticket, stick around and watch SummerSlam on the big screens at the FSW Arena. And we can have some, you know, sodas and food and candy or whatever, and, you know, we can do that. Then there's also the possibility of doing a late-night Saturday night show at, say, 10 o'clock. Yeah. And we've been in talks with some other companies that it looks like sat Sunday we're definitely going to do, instead of a FSW versus show, more of a, a collective, a collaboration between some companies from the United, throughout the U.S., East Coast, West Coast, South, East, things like that. No Peace Underground. They're gonna, they want to come out here and do something together. And it seems like you know, they're starting to utilize a lot of our talent. Right. I know Jay Vidal won his match debuting over there, as well as using, you know, numerous talents from FSW on there. So, you know, there's a possibility that Sunday we also do the FSW women's show. We're debating on whether we do it July 31st, standalone show, or we do it uh, the Sunday, August 22nd of SummerSlam weekend, being that there's probably a good amount of talent that's going to be available right? without having the fly-ins and doing all the other stuff to where now the show, when you talk about profit margins, it's kind of hard to get a profit margin on a show when you flew five people in. <laughs> right. So, you know, if they're going to be there, you know, there's another show in town that I saw, you know, that Carlito is going to be a part of. And, you know, I just got some contact from my guy and uh, we got some info on him. And then we're going to try to see about maybe utilizing him on a show as well as getting him a card signing at the mall uh, through Scott. So try to package some things together and hopefully offset some costs and then find out who else is going to be here, you know, you know. Maybe we have a natural born killers main event, and uh, Brock Lesnar wants to wrestle Kurt Angle at our show. So you know, <laughs> I got 
I got 500 with their name on it. <laughs> oh my God. So, um, if anyone is listening and, um, you have direct contact with Kurt Angle or Brock Lesnar, let's get this going. And you listeners right now, you're on social media, start hashtagging the hell out of that. And let's, uh, let's make this into existence. <laughs> right. One last time. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at um, the benefits, like you said, of not having to fly extra talent in, that they'll be here in general. And a lot of people that I tend to talk to want to uh, work in some capacity, FSW. Does that make it um, worthwhile for you in terms of knowing that the foundation of FSW and people wanting to work for FSW if they are in town, it just makes that so much easier for you to take a part and, and plug it in to, um, you know, make to enhance a card that would already be great with just the talent that you have here locally and then getting that extra bump from, you know, guys who are coming in from the East Coast or maybe the Northwest or Southwest uh, or uh, Southeast, I'm sorry, that maybe some of the fans have never seen live before. Is that one of the attractions to kind of give the local fans a taste of, you know, some of these independent guys, I know you started the, uh, the, uh, the initiative, um, the talent initiative earlier, uh, uh, I guess at this point, um, last year, is that a draw for you to be able to plug those guys in and give the fans, you know, something maybe that they haven't seen yet, uh, new people to kind of look at and also, Maybe uh, cheer on their hometown favorites versus uh, some of the guys that are from out of state. Well, you got to understand a lot of our local talent, they have been on FSW shows for years, right. you know, unless, unless you're a new talent. So it becomes a really difficult process of, okay, who's Hammerstone going to work? Who's Graves going to work that he hasn't worked before? Yeah. Even the younger guys, as they're moving up the ladder, you know, when a guy like Hero Lou's moving up the ladder, guess who he's wrestling? He's wrestling Graves and Hammerstone to get experience. Now, as he climbs toward the top, you know, who's he going to wrestle? Well, he's going to probably wrestle Hammerstone and Graves. So when we can bring in EC3, when we can start utilizing Toa and him and Graves have a, you know, a beefy big boy bruiserweight match. You know, it's something that despite Graves being there for so long, you're trying to incorporate the, the younger talent. You know, I always remember, you know, with opportunities and things like that. And my first start at really doing that was that, as I call the precursor to the Mecca when stars collide was my IWF shows that we had Johnny the Bull and Shelton Benjamin as part of the creative team uh, on those shows. And while they were very mindset on bringing in like the very first show, the Carlitos and the Chris masters and, and, and talented guys, 
I was the one who brought Ricochet and Rich Swan and Shane Strickland and Tony Nese and basically everybody you watch in NXT throughout the the tenure of the IWF, as witnessed by the last show that we ever did that had Trevor Lee, Shane Strickland, Chris Hero, uh, Apollo Crews, the Young Bucks, you know, Brian Cage, Drew, Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre, whatever we call them now these days. And all those guys were on the show. And I remember doing the the first Meccas and guys that I really liked seeing, the AR Foxes and the Shane Stricklands, you know, we brought them in. And one of the nicest things I remember was, you know, before Shane was basically done, he did uh, he did another Mecca event where he wrestled John Morrison. And as he was getting a sign, I'm like, hit him up, hey, you know, congrats. And, you know, he, he put me over strong. He was like, hey, you know, I just want to let you know I really appreciate you being one of the first guys that kind of got him out of his norm. Right. You know, coming to the West Coast. And other than PWG, nobody really on the West Coast was using Shane Strickland at the time when we first were. And it's trying to get that lightning in a bottle you know, we got a couple of new guys debuting at the show this weekend. Uh, Percy Drews and, and a guy named uh, uh, what's what's his name? Seth Rollins trained him. Travis Titan okay. that would be in what I think should be an incredible four way between Adrian Quest, Matt Vandergriff, and Jay Vidal. So you know, sometimes people don't aren't that excited when they hear about the Joe DeFalco four ways, but I'll tell you what, in most cases, those are, those are some of the best matches you're going to see on the card, yeah. you know, and getting all those guys and, and getting the new talent. So yeah, absolutely. A thousand percent. Like we're going to scour who who's in town SummerSlam weekend. You know, I saw the one card. It's mainly a Lucha show. Uh, supposedly produced by Del Rio. Right. That's got Drago on it. And I saw Funny Bone was going to wrestle him there. And, you know, there was definitely a lot of talent there. So why wouldn't we want to utilize that talent when they're there? You know, as well as, you know, with the GCW show, what I or who I want to see wrestle. As busy as Brett is, there are certain guys he uses. So he knows Juicy and Vandergriff and Eli Everfly and Cartwheel because he does shows in L.A. and he's used some of those guys. Right. But, you know, I already pitched for Matt Vandergriff versus Jack Cartwheel, which I think would be phenomenal, you know. And then we're talking, you know, I had mentioned Effie versus Jay Vidal and, you know, Sandra Moon versus Alley Cat and uh. Nick Gage versus... Uh, cutthroat Cody, you oh, know. Do, do you do you really? <laughs> you're you're trying to kill Cody, aren't you? <laughs> that, 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 that was a, a personal request from Cody. Oh so. Jesus! <laughs> because we knew, you know, as much as we love Jacob Austin Young, he, he's not really looking to get hit with any light tubes, if you know. <laughs> so, you know, that might be a show that uh, he may have to, you know. Sit and watch from the bleachers. <laughs> watch Cody go, you know, toe-to-toe. You know, there's Remy Marcel. Hey, does he work, say, a Chris Dickinson? You know, there's yeah. a lot of talent 
that, you know, if we're going to have the, you know, Hammerstone won't be there that weekend. The one major title would be the GCW Heavyweight Championship. I assume that's going to be the main event, but I'm sure we're going to have the Nevada State title defended on that show. And then, you know, they got their mixtures. I know Chris Bay, you know, he's talked about wanting to work a guy, uh, you know, Starboy Charlie, you know. Now, whether that's going to happen, we're going to see. I've also pitched a kind of survive, a precursor to our survival of the fittest in September. We have a little FSW versus GCW, you know, four-on-four Survivor Series-style elimination match, you know. And I know uh, guys like Manders and Matthew Justice uh, are, are more than happy to put people through doors. So, you know, it's definitely not for the faint. A Bodian would match Justice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you, uh, you know, you, uh, you just said door, uh, which brought up. Uh, Big Valley Wrestling did their uh, Loud and Proud event this uh, past Saturday. And uh, Effie, who we sponsored, was wrestling Ricky Tenacious. And Ricky took a spear right through a door. When you look at... It's only a door. It's only a door. <laughs> I, I thought you were... Yeah, yeah. I thought How you're... many times did Ice Williams go through a door? Ice Williams' brother went through a door. <laughs> That's true. Um, but But the main point that I'm, I'm thinking of is when you have guys that you do use uh, that are your local guys and they are wrestling a talent that's coming from out of town and it is something a little more to an extreme of, you know, having to go through something or having a ladder match or a strap match or something like that. How does it affect you in terms of um, hopefully not being a guy who... A, you're you're in the middle of pushing pretty hard, and B, that person not getting injured um, in in some kind of fashion doing a match like that. Do you do you ever get concerned about the welfare of these guys? Um, you know, working the the hardcore style matches. Yes and no, because you know, no matter what you tell Eli Everfly, he's gonna do something fucking crazy. Matt Vandergrift. These guys, they're young, man. Maybe Eli not so young compared to Vandegrift, but Jay Vidal, you know, they, they're risk takers, you know. Yeah. They feel the best way for them to get to the next level is maybe do some things that other people are a little gun-shy to do. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the, the death matches, but there's a large group of people who likes them. Right. And... You know, there's gimmicks and characters that I weren't wasn't a big fan of that I still book because I don't let my personal thought of, hey, you know, I was never the biggest Joey Ryan, Dick Flip fan ever. Like, I'm like, I don't get it. Like WrestleMania weekend when he's wrestling on 25 shows. Yeah. Like, how can that be over? But it continually was. And we brought him in at a Beers and Body Slams. And he outdrew, as the name, more than most of the really big names that we had because at that time he was a hot commodity because of that gimmick. Right. And same situation. 
you know, when an RVD and a Sabu and ECW came along, you know, until ECW, that was kind of a fad, that hardcore style, right. you know, and then it became popular. There's so many things. It's like, you know, you watch who in their right mind watching wrestling 10 years ago would watch Orange Cassidy and be like, oh, this is great. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and, you know, the guy worked in Chikara, I believe, for many years and wrestled regularly. And then he came up with a gimmick that made him do far less and probably make far more than he ever did. Now he's in AEW getting far more than he ever got because he's doing this to a 56, almost 56-year-old man, kind of like, man, I I don't really know if I get this. And I'm pretty liberal when it comes to gimmicks and ideas and and all the other stuff, but everybody has their personal tastes. You know, what I like, you know, there's always that big misconception, especially with the wrestlers. Oh, Joe just likes that flippy shit, you know, and it's like, well, that that that's totally untrue. But I like an extremely fast-paced match that these guys are going balls to the wall to win a match, right. you know. But but I, I I just as well will enjoy watching Hammerstone and Graves beat the shit out of each other for twenty minutes. Sure, you know. It's like, regardless of the style of match, a shitty match is a shitty match. You know, I've seen some of those four ways that were the fucking shits. And some of my favorite matches that I've had along the years putting together have been those three and four ways. Because I have like, I have a mindset. My mindset was always, I wasn't a big fan of that PWG Ring of Honor. Not saying I didn't like their their wrestling and their high spots and all the other stuff, but these guys would go 25 minutes with 50 near falls from every big move, and people would just kick out of it. At least when I'm watching my three-way or a four-way, Matt Vandergriff hits a Spanish fly, goes for the cover. The guy doesn't kick out at one. He has the match one, but the other guy makes the save. Right. And how the match continues. And, and that's what I enjoy about it. One pin wins. You know, elimination matches are different, obviously. And nothing worse than an elimination match. I'm watching a four-way elimination match and somebody's breaking up a fall. Are you a fucking idiot? Right. Like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what the rules of everything are. And I'm more of a stickler of that. Like, I see basic stuff that I don't enjoy that takes me out of out of a match. Sure. You know, I want the believability. You know, a lot of people didn't like Disco's commentary sometimes because he would make these off-color, sarcastic remarks that the wrestlers understood he was kind of trashing when, you know... A guy's hitting, you know, the DDT after Jake Roberts shows up on a show and that's not even a one count because it's a transition move. And basically Disco will make a comment to be in, you know, referencing, you know, the man's superpowers and, you know, all this stuff to make him seem like a superhuman being that now that wrestler takes personally 
And it's like all he's asking is is to sell a little bit, make right. it seem like it matters. There's nothing worse than the dueling super kicks. It's like, oh, boom, 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 boom. I remember we did a show in uh, Benson, Arizona. Uh, Tyson Tyler, he had a deal with the high school there. And we had, you know, Kenny King and Tyshawn against Brian Cage and Lance Hoyt was the main event. And TJP, I think, was wrestling as Manic or Suicide. And, and he wrestled Chris Sabin. And the opening match was like, this throwaway six or eight, six man tag just to get things kind of rolling. And all of a sudden in the middle of the thing, there's a spot, super kick, bounce off, super kick, bounce off, super kick. I swear to God, I thought Kenny was going to run down the, the, the entrance way and lay both of those guys out. But Kenny didn't even wait till they got to the locker room to go off on them. Like, they were still where the guardrails were. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. You know, I can remember the very first show we did, and that was at the Rancho Swap Meet, even warmer than night one of our anniversary show, okay? And Legacy had his wrestling school right. and his little, little company. He had the UWF, so he had a lot of the younger kids, and... On the show, the deal was I needed a ring. We didn't have one. So Phil said, hey, instead of renting you the ring, I'm going to let you use the ring. In exchange, let my young kids be in the pre-show match. Sure. So Mike Delight was actually the referee of the show match. Okay, so I guess they did that electric chair spot, you know, three minutes in, a bunch of kids. They go back to the locker room, and they're ecstatic. Like, oh, my God, how great. And Kenny fucking Lamb basted them, you know. And it was most of these guys' first match ever, Sure. you know, in reality. And Kenny was just going nuts, like, dude, this is the fucking pre-show. Basics, basics, basics. Get in there, do your thing, get the fuck out. The idea is now everybody else has to try to overcome what you did to start the show. Yeah. From a bunch of kids who could barely lock up. Yeah. Sure, they hit a big spot, but what about the rest of the match that bored everybody to tears? <laughs> you know? And, you know, that's what having veterans around is good for. You know, they see certain things, you know, a lot of times you see a lot of the same stuff over and over during the show. Right. Like I remember when we first started at the Silver Nugget, it was like, you know, snap mare kick to the back. Like you would see it eight times in nine matches, you right. know, nowadays it's, oh, we got to do that suicide dive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. We got to make sure there's seven guys standing outside the ring waiting for you to do a cross body that everybody knows you're going to do. You know, literally at the anniversary show, I had to watch somebody basically be in the ring on their on their feet, turned down, waiting to get hit with a double stomp 
for like 40 seconds. And I'm like, oh, my God, this, this is horrible. Yeah. You know, it's like everybody wants to suspend belief. Everybody wants it to believe it's real. Everybody wants to believe, oh, I think he pissed him off. I think he really fucking laid it in. Everybody's looking for that shot. Oh, man, he's not selling well. I really think he got hurt, you know. And when you can fool people like that, that's what makes people on the edge of their seat. That's what makes people, you know, enthralled by the match. You know, no matter how good the, uh, you know, the matches are, a lot of the moves are similar. Why are people caring? Gregory Sharp and Jay Vidal, they didn't see Sharp for a long time after the Remy thing. Jay Vidal loved hottest thing going in FSW. And when he hit him with that kendo stick, I swear to God, it seemed to me like it was 11 years of frustration that Gregory Sharp laid the fuck into Jay Vidal. Because yeah. he did. He smashed him. And then the promo, and then the video package, and now all of a sudden, a match that had not very long of a build, you know, it was a couple of shows, and it became a heated feud. Yeah. And then there's sometimes you see matches that technically they're sound, they're fine, but there's no investment in it from the crowd, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, that was good. Okay, next right. match. And 10 minutes later, they couldn't even tell you who won that match. Right. You know, and again, that's no fault of anyone because sometimes, as I try to explain to everybody, sometimes a match is just a match. You know, sometimes every match can't be a storyline. Right. You know, like we're trying to build things to the big shows. So to give away Sandra Moon and, and Maserati seven times – before a big show match makes no sense. So, you know, we set up, hey, we got Strella and 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 Sandra Moon in a number one contenders feud. And we did the one match that came across kind of flat to me. Like Sandra won, the, the chair got moved. It was more Strella lost and Sandra won the match. And I was like, you know what? We need to do one more match, and we did the no DQ match. And it ended up being a brilliant decision by doing the extra match. That match might have been the best match of the night. It really solidified Sandra Moon. Strella lost nothing in defeat, has bounced back, as you saw in in the Rumble match, where, you know, she beat the shit out of the shade, you know. And... It is what it is. It, yeah. It's trying to create. It's trying to build. It's also trying to get young guys on the show. And then you get the frustration of the young guys crying because they're not on the show. And it's like, well, you know, no, sorry. You're only on the Rumble match in the anniversary. We got six matches. Right. Where do you think you're going to go when three of them are title matches? You know, Suavecitos. They didn't get to be on till night two. And they got to be in a six-man tag, you know. Some guys were able to make night one and not night two. Some guys made night two but not night one, you know. And, and it's, it was all that scrambling around and trying to make things fit and trying to make things different, you know. We got a show coming up this Saturday 
uh, at the FSW arena, scars and stripes, you know, we're debating if we're going to get the barbecue out and make some burgers and dogs for the fans, kind of combine it with our fan appreciation day that we usually do in the summer, you know, sure. and matches that I'm pretty certain we have never seen before, you know, you know, we got Graves wrestling wise guy, which I think should be an wow. excellent match. Uh, Hero Lou's going to wrestle Lazarus, which is interesting enough right there because Adriel's wrestling uh, one of the initiative guys, Percy Drews. Uh, I told you about the four-way a little earlier. Uh, Brett the Threat, he's going to be on the card, and he has a very, very large task in front of him. Uh, we'll, We'll announce that later tonight. You know, be careful what you wish for. Breath of the Threat. Oh, I got a contract. Anybody wants to sign it. Well, I'm not sure if he wanted this guy that signed it to sign it. So, you know, class is going to be there. Nick Xander, you know, Chase Bell, Nino Black, you know. But as great as the card is, Death Proof won't be there. Ice Williams won't be there. Remy Marcel won't be there. But we're still not missing a beat, right? you know, on the tap we have. You know, we almost have like a Raw and SmackDown roster that we have so many guys. <laughs> but I hate to put one on one and one on the other. Right, right. You know. And that and that makes a lot of sense. Um, and in, in a sense, too, you'll also kind of have – NXT with the future shock, you know, it's, it's, it's all encompassing. Um, when you look at a show like this weekend's show and it's basically, I, I would assume the start of kind of that run towards, um, what's gonna be going down SummerSlam weekend. Does well, not really. It's okay. more. It's more of like we're now in the process of setting up for survival of the fittest in September. Okay, yeah. because it's going to be where all of the main roster guys are going to mix and match to where we're doing. You know, I always remember I enjoyed back in the Survivor Series day. You know, they'd have the eight on eight, so it would be four tag teams and four tag teams yes. against each other. You eliminate one, the the, the teams out. Yeah. You know, SummerSlam is going to be more of a, you know, mixture of companies and talent. And whether, like I said, Natural Born Killers, Women's Show, FSW versus GCW, uh, uh, the collaboration, you know, everything that we're going to do. You know, as much as some people, including my son, want to do 35 shows on SummerSlam weekend, you know, it's just not feasible. You know, it's like, so here's the deal. So Friday at 7 o'clock, GCW is going to do a show. They're not doing it at the FSW Arena, okay? So they're going to need to use the ring. But they can't use our regular ring because we're going to need it Friday night after their show because we never have the time. Right. So we got a 16-foot ring. We're going to let them use that for Friday night, okay? Then we'll keep our ring in there for Friday. Odds are FSW, GCW is going to happen at the arena at 12 noon. Then that's done. Now, it's a possibility if we did an after SummerSlam show, we might do that at Diversion Amusements. 
which now means before SummerSlam, since most people are going to leave and watch it, we're going to have a skeleton crew that may have to go set up at Diversion Amusements. Right. If we did the show there Saturday night, hopefully we're going to be able to do the show there Sunday day. But cost-wise, you know, they may not give us the deal of Saturday night into Sunday's another day, blah, 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 hitting numbers, you know, so maybe the ring stays at FSW Arena Saturday night. And then after the show Saturday night, which is after SummerSlam, which is like 11 o'clock at night, we then get the ring ready to go for Sunday morning for a two o'clock show or something like that. Right. So it's like people are like, hey, well, what are you doing now? Well, when's the tickets going to sale? It's like we can't even figure out the schedule yet. And yesterday we finally, you know, got as much as confirmation as we could because everything is based around the FSW, GCW thing. Right. Or everything's based on GCW, you know, because – in all honesty, the perfect show to run is when they're running. And we just can't run against them. It, 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 like I said, it makes no sense. So we need to find the second best option for us and make sure the second and third best options FSW's got, since we don't have the first best option. Right. You know? And, again, we've heard of another show on uh, that late Friday night. So they're going to – that Lucha show is going to run head-to-head with GCW. Will it affect GCW? Absolutely not because GCW has fans from Arizona, Utah, and, and Cali yeah. that are going to come anyway. You know, my son put out basically a reserve of a reserve ticket. So you have a waiting list, and that waiting list already is filled up with two thirds of the capacity of the arena already. Sure. So now will some people drop off because it's a noon show? Yeah, I guess so. But I haven't even like really hit up our main regulars and all the other people. And that's not even including the GCW people who are going to be in town Friday and, you know, stick around kind of like they did last time when, you know, Hammerstone and Jordan Oliver wrestled and uh, Leo Rush was on the show. So, you know, there was GCW fans there because cross cross promotion helped us, you know, they do, they do a lot of buy rates, you know, they do, they do tremendous uh, pay-per-view numbers, you know, we, we have ideas, you know, Joey Janela is interested in wrestling somebody who lives in Vegas. Uh, That may not be a main part of our regular roster. We've used a few times. But, you know, I, I've heard two cold Scorpio and Ricky Morton are going to be in Vegas that weekend. Wow. <laughs> you know, not sure if Robert Gibson will be there, but, you know, who wouldn't want to see uh, Rock and Roll Express versus Lights, Camera, Faction? Like, who, who wouldn't want to see that? <laughs> you know, that's a main event anywhere in the U.S. Uh I- Oh man, uh, well, you know who wouldn't want it's the Suavecitos because the Suavecitos would obviously say they yeah, deserve it because they know they would have the banger of the weekend against uh, Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> uh, does it does it excite you that you have um, limitless possibilities going into you know 
planning, solidifying plans. Um, is that something that you look forward to when you get a chance to, you know, do something essentially that, you know, is not in the canon of what you're currently doing storyline wise and you get a chance to, you know, give guys an opportunity to wrestle guys that maybe they haven't had a chance or would like to have wrestled. Is that part of what makes this um, just exciting to you as a, as not only an owner, but as a fan? Well, speaking of limitless, we're also working on the limitless tournament. That's going to feature probably at least 12 of the best, you know, high flyers, risk takers, and that was also another option for that weekend. But I think we need to stand alone on that, and that's possible that it might be July 31st. But what you need to understand is guys like, and again, obviously he's not around now, but guys like Sefa and Remy and Cody and Chris Bay. Well, when you're talking about Chris Bay, he's already on that national scene. Before Seth has really gone on to other things, and Cody and Remy, they've grinded it out for 10, 12 years doing tremendous things, but they feel, you know, they got a chip on their shoulder that they haven't gotten the notoriety. That's why Cody wants to wrestle a Nick Gage. He wants to show the world because as many fans as we have, you know, hey, we got almost we got over nine thousand followers. Well, GCW's got thirty thousand followers, right? And they have an internet fan base that is through the roof. So if Cody can go out and give Nick Gage a hell of a match, well, that's going to help get bookings. Yeah. And, and you know, these guys want to go to New York and they want to go to Florida and they want to go to Chicago. And little by little, these guys have gotten out and done other things, but they want to be able to do these things on a bigger level. When WrestleMania comes out next year, they don't want to buy a ticket, go there, hang out in a locker room, and hope that somebody has an opening. Right. They want to go there knowing that they have three or four bookings. It's like, you know, the unguided. You know, a couple of years ago – they may have went and were trying to get on stuff. Even the bad bitches, they knew they were going to be on Effie's show. They, they at least had a couple of things because what they've done in the wrestling business is getting noticed. And what makes me proud is that it's my company that they work for that helped them get noticed. Yeah. And in most cases, because of the opportunities they got, whether inadvertently through FSW or directly because of FSW, a lot of these guys like Vandegrift and Lacey Ryan and Cross and Bay and Sefa, you know, they're always thanking me because of the opportunities they got. Hammerstone. You know, these guys will work for me and understand that I know what they're worth. And you always hear in wrestling, never work for free. Always know your worth. Well, in some cases, these guys got their worth because everything they did with us. And now it's their turn to pay back. Right. And 
you know, it makes no sense. It's kind of like I, I saw, you know, people have been going back and forth. And I seen the Bob Evans of the world and the other and other guys that are like big time trainers and stuff that are basically telling Taz, no, there's a difference between knowing your value and what you work for, you know? And it's like some of our younger guys feel slighted. Hey, this guy got an envelope. Hey, I'm as good as him. You know, he got 20 bucks. He got 40 bucks, whatever. How come I don't get anything? And it's like, well, or I go wrestle over there three miles away and they pay me 20 bucks and 40 bucks. Why don't you pay me? Right. Like, well, it's simple. See, when you started training, you paid 250 bucks or 200 bucks. And now, in some cases, you're not paying a dollar to train at our facility. Right. And Or you're being charged 50 bucks because you, you've moved along enough, but you're not far enough along the way you shouldn't be paying to train because you're not an expert. So when guys are not being paying a gym fee, I, I look at it as the offset of, hey, instead of a small school show when we have 50 people, like, if you think I was going to pay you 50 bucks, you're nuts. And secondly, I wouldn't have – go look at the card. Go look at how many guys are on the card. It's pretty simple to do an eight-match card with one tag team match and one multi-man. And you got about 20, 20 guys on a show. Yeah. When Joe runs a show, there's 30 guys on it. So there's a good chance that Brett the Thread and Nick Xander and Chase Bell and Adriel and Laz and Suavecitos and Sky High, even though they're the fourth, fifth, sixth tag team, because we do have uh, Death Proof Wrestling and we had the Unguided Wrestling and Kenny and Shogun were the champs and the, and the R&B were there. How many tag team matches you think I could possibly have. Right. So, hey, let's do a pre-show match, a six-man tag, so the Suavecitos could get another match instead of being off the card. It gives them the experience. The more matches, the more experience. Hopefully, the quicker they can get better and better and better and better. Right. But if my choice is I have to add a 10th match – to give you experience, and then you're going to squat that. You, sh- you should be paid to be on a show because that guy there throws you the money. Well, guess what? I don't need to put you on the show. I'm now doing you a favor to put you on the show. Right. I'm not doing it because it's like, oh, oh yeah, I don't have to pay these guys. Uh, I'll get them on the show. Well, go look at the guys that are on the show. So even at the last Future Shock, we had Chris Bay and Ice Williams and Jay Vidal and sharp and guys who've been around forever. So it isn't like I'm just using 20 young kids who, Hey, we can make money off of. Right. You know, we're, we're getting the, we're trying to do the best shows we can and also incorporate the young guys to give them an opportunity to have a match. Right. But they look at it as, Oh, well, you know, the place over there that runs a show every month or two, they pay me. Okay, well, go work over there every month or two and worry about no experience, especially when the pandemic's going on. Right. Instead, you have a good chance of getting on two to three shows a month where you can't get on two or three other shows in a month, especially last year, anywhere else. Right. Because 
just like we weren't really bringing in the guys that we use now. We weren't bringing in Toko Uso and Eli Everfly and Gatson. We brought in the mainstays who were Hammerstone and Graves, who have been with us forever. And because of their association with class, you know, right. where, you know, those guys helped train, that that was about it. Everybody else was all the, 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 the younger local guys who were getting the opportunity to work people, you know, preacher feature. They got to work guys like death proof yeah. and Scott. And I got to work the R and B when, you know, people were like, Oh, these guys are good. And they shit the bed because they weren't ready yet. And they, and what did they do? They got better and better and better. And when you wrestle better and better and better people, you either sink or swim. Yeah. And, and you're not going to get that opportunity uh wrestling once every two months so you know yeah that's the that couldn't even tell you what the subject was that you brought up where i got to but hey that's me <laughs> no no it it's it's an interesting look because um one of the things that i've noticed and some of the guys i've talked to are you know in agreement, um and that is those guys that you just mentioned teams like sky high um, um, you know, they, Jay, uh, you know, they get better and you see the difference between if they do, uh, let's say an outside show, you see the difference between what I compare professional theater to community theater. And so if you put someone who really has the knowledge, has the ability has the preparation you give them the opportunity they'll always look more polished than the person they're going in with if that you know that training and whatever the circumstances of that person wasn't that good it's very obvious that the people who've trained at fsw are automatically going in there with more of a pedigree um, and are getting more experience. So it's, it's a very interesting thing where as long as they're continuing to grow, it is the difference between just being a wrestler and calling yourself then a professional wrestler, because these guys like Adriel and like Laz, they really are coming along and learning how to be professionals and whether it be you know, in ring, they already have talent, but learning how to tell the stories or out of the ring, hitting the gym and making themselves look. Adriel's made one hell of a jump in his, you know, physique. The The guy is starting to become a mature man as compared to the kid who trained. And it's, it's phenomenal to watch the growth. Um, and all because... They've had the opportunities that you've given them. I know back at UPW, it was always something when guys like Triple H and the Hardy Boys and Steve Regal or William Regal, they would come in and they would work matches with guys like Samoa Joe, the guys who were, you know, right on that cusp of getting to that developmental deal. And it was so invaluable that they got these experiences. Do you feel that when when these um, opportunities meet, you know, the younger students, 
that if they are taking it by the horns and really accelerating, that at some point they're going to leave you in what would be a, a tough spot for you, and that is that now you have the Suavecitos and and uh, Creature Feature and Sky High. Now they're all on the RMV level and the Death Proof level. Are you looking forward to having that real, you know, kind of uh, almost difficulty of deciding where things will go because all the teams now are really the differential is what stories can we put them in that they're all you know polished really good wrestlers is that ultimately what the goal is is to get these guys to the point where not only they give you the dilemma of how to book you know so many good talents but also are now at the point where if they wrestled in Florida or New York or, you know, Texas, that it's reflective of the company that they come in, they do exactly what they need to do. And then they start getting noticed, you know, around the country because not only have people seen their stuff, but other promoters and bookers know that if they bring these guys in, they're getting something of value that will help, their company ultimately as well well there's there there's two different subjects i'll get to number one things work out for themselves somehow some way you know whether it is parada needed time off damian drake got injured that eliminated two tag teams for a while right jay Vidal got bounced into the singles division and prospered immensely vandegriff is the same thing Match of, the, match of the weekend. You know, there was no denying their skill set, but because of such a loaded no limits division, we broke off a bunch of them into the tag team division. Right. Because the tag team division wasn't, you know, wasn't stellar. As good as our tag team division was in, say, 2017 18, when people all of a sudden we lost all our teams to China and we created stuff. And now all of a sudden we brought Tito and Che back. We had the 1%, but who realized the 1% was, you know, Royce ended up signing with NWA and then it kind of opened things up again. And then we did an anniversary show where we, we uh, had a reunion with the following and Bryce Harrison didn't make it. And we saw the chemistry continue between Cody and Jake and Move them into the tag team division to now where they're sitting atop it. So I really don't have concerns because Adriel against Eli Everfly proved that he can work singles, and I'm pretty sure uh, Laz will be fine doing singles if they had to. Right. You know, it's it's what's needed. You know, there may be a shift that hey, we need three or four guys in the no limits division. Where are we going to pull them from? Oh yeah, the tag division because. Damian Drake comes back in four months, six months. Who's to say Matt Vandegrift or Jay Vidal is not the No Limits champion at that point? Right. Who's to say, you know, the unguided are kind of still together, but maybe they're not focused on tag stuff? We don't know. You know what I mean? There's so many options that are available. It was kind of like after the pandemic, 
my goal was to really restack the heavyweight division because, you know, you got Hammerstone, you got Graves, you got Shogun, you got Hero. So the four main heavyweights are all baby faces. Right. Okay. Well, Hammerstone and Graves weren't baby faces. They became baby faces because we shut down. We reopened. People like them. It's been nine years of, of these seeing these guys. So when Hammerstone cuts a promo and says, hey, it's great to be back, you know, despite everything, you know, I'm glad to perform here. The, the crowd always wanted to like him. You know, they right. used to love him. And now we put him in a situation to succeed as, as, as a baby face. And, you know, he's a great promo either way. Right. You know, Graves, Graves was never the talker. Graves was just that guy who went out that people respected because of his brute strength and his really sarcastic humor, you know? So now it's like, okay, well, now we got a guy like Class. Now we got a guy like Tito. And now we kind of, whether they're a tag or singles, you got Toa and Juicy, you know? So now all of a sudden there's legitimate threats to Hammerstone. And we haven't seen Shogun since the Kenny King incident. So, you know, where his mindset is, hey, that's still up in the air, you know. And then Sefa ended up working a lot more than we expected over the last few months. And Chris Bay's worked a lot more than is expected over the last few months. And what am I going to do? Nah, we're okay, Chris. I got to get the suavecitos on the show. We're going to pass on you today. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. not going to happen, you know? And there's pecking orders. And it's like, well, this guy, yeah, you're right. When a guy who does things for us for years, he is going to get more than a guy who's been doing stuff for us for six months. Right. Or a guy who hasn't been doing shit for us, just wrestling for years. You know, we got hit up by Davari, you know, we're pretty we're pretty close in, in that situation. And it was like they're looking for people for SummerSlam. And he went out of his way to say, hey, I need some people. You know, who do you think? We need some girls. What do you think? So I ran him down a list. You know, he's he he, he really likes Hero Lou, so that he was automatically on the list. But this was more for extra work and not really for the for the tryouts. Stuff. Sure. And who am I going to give them? I am going to recommend the guys that are always around and they're always helping that will appreciate that opportunity. So, you know, and Davari gave me the info, hey, contact this guy and let him know that, you know, Sean said to hit you up about the extra work, you know, because Sean worked with them at the FSW school, blah, 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 blah. You know, and hopefully these guys will hear back and and they'll get an opportunity to to, you know, see what it's like to be around 65,000 people. You know, <laughs> when AEW was here, we had 15 guys as extras yeah. who all got paid, you know, pretty well. 
you know, a couple hundred bucks just to be they paid them to like watch a national pay-per-view yeah. and they got to be a part of it and whether it was uh being the early chris jericho's or being part of the dark order you know they got to see what it's like to do a live major event in front of 13 15,000 people at the MGM yeah now you know you could motherfuck me all you want and you could say Joe this and Joe that but you know I know what I've done for people and if some people are ungrateful which I always feel some are you know it is what it is I, I do the best that I can I don't know anybody anything yeah but I go out of my way and I always help and you know that's why Sometimes I say, man, if I just book guys from out of state, because they seem to be extremely grateful and thankful that they get an opportunity to be on a show. While not that they're bad people, but a lot of the locals and the younger guys, they, it's just second nature to them. They just think, hey, I'm part of FSW. Yeah. It's like, hey, bro, that doesn't mean shit. It, yeah. If I'm not giving you the opportunity then I'm not giving you the opportunity, you know? And it's like, I go out of my way to do that. And it, and it seems like with, in some cases, they expect it to be that way, you know? Sure. You know, we had an incident at the anniversary show. And of course it was the Suavecitos. And again, and of course it wasn't Ricky or Quest, it was Dan, you know? And he chose to include somebody as part of an entrance. And I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? And after the match, I had to sit right in the gorilla spot waiting for them to come out. And it's like, so which one of you motherfuckers thought it was a good idea for somebody who trained with us for a month and hasn't been seen in three to have a spot on the fucking biggest show we've done in a year and a half? Like, do you remember... Suavecitos, when you had to fucking earn your spot and you always wanted to get on a show and I didn't think you were ready and how great you felt when you got to be on there, who the fuck was that person when we have two or three other girls that didn't get to be on any part of the show who have paid dues and trained consistently over the past year? Yeah. You know, and you can blame Danny for doing it. But Ricky should have been like, bro, you better talk to fucking Joe. Yeah. So they're to blame, you know, because I always like blaming Danny more because it usually is. But they're, they're both did guilt, even though one was more than the other. Right. You know, and was it malicious? No, it was. He thought it would be, hey, this would be a good idea. Well, guess what? It was a shitty idea. And number two, you don't fucking do that idea without running it through me. Yeah. And it's, it's just beating that mindset in for them to understand it. Yeah, because one of the things I know very well as someone who's produced stuff, um, the, the last thing you want is the inmates trying to run the asylum. <laughs> and Yeah, they, they all think they know everything. Exactly. Exactly. And and a lot of times what performers don't understand is that you as a performer, of course, you have your goals, um, what you're trying to achieve. 
But when you are working, especially when you're working for a company you're training with, it's called training for a reason. You're getting seasoned. You're getting trained. You're not in the position to now start making calls on your own. And, you know, I, I don't know how many times, you know, it took me to learn as a young guy that mm, improvisation, yeah. improvisation is something that you have to really you know be careful of what you're doing in terms of just adding things so that um the 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 producer or promoter of the product if they're not aware it can kill your career easily um as we wrap up here let me ask you uh this coming saturday um the show's at 7 p.m it's available on the fsw network um what are you looking forward to on that show and is there is there any uh you know things that we should be as fans looking at to see where maybe some future things are pointing when we watch the show yeah there's always reasons to you know try to foreshadow i always try to sprinkle some things in no matter how minor they are that when you look back at the big picture after the fact, you say, oh, man, yeah, I saw what happened when he did that at that show. Because, you know, initially it tries to be extremely subtle. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, a lot of the matches on this show is, you know, kind of hitting the reset button. Sure. You know, after kind of everything that was there and then who's going to be here compared to there. You know, it's like, you know, class has the cash in the case. And I think we have to really move forward toward, you know, getting to where he is going to do something. Right. You know, he, he's he's sprinkled a little here with Remy and stuff. But, you know, I, I think the time is right now, you know, being as much of a heel that he is, He's going to harp at any opportunity he can, you know, because of the ending of Hammerstone, EC3, and Juicy. Uh, it didn't really leave him an opportunity to kind of cash in at that point. Right. So, you know, I think that's going to happen. Then I think, you know, contenders for Ice Williams, you know, Chris Bay and him obviously have some unfinished business. But now a guy like Jay Vidal and Matt Vandergriff, they're going to be, you know, they're nipping at the toes right now. Yeah. You know, Matt Vandergriff has been hugely successful. Eli Everfly has been successful. You know, Jay Vidal has been successful. You know, how many guys are in line, you know, to get an opportunity? And we also got to build, you know, death proof, just defeated RMB, so we need to find a top contender for the tag titles because the unguided are out. Yeah, the bitches are out. Yep. So now it's that same tier that has to step up, whether it's creature feature and lights, camera, faction. They got the opportunity. Uh, does that mean it's done? No. Uh, does it mean that I'm not going to look at a Toko Uso? Am I going to look at, you know, some top tier tag teams from the West Coast? 
you know, we run a good amount of shows. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier when we're running a big show every six to eight weeks to set up a major, you know, tag feud. Right. But trying to get all these guys work, it's, it's like even on this week's show, we don't have the Suavecitos and we don't have Sky High. It was like, sure, I guess I got to put them against each other again, but that would be 50 times, yeah. you know. They worked singles. They did a couple of three-way matches. They did some three-way tags. They did a gauntlet match. It's like, you know, now it's time to, you know, always try to freshen things up. And that's also part of the reason for joint shows and working with other companies. It's fresh blood, yeah. you know. You know, let's see what Sky High's learned in FSW when they have to take on somebody – you know, from West, you know, WAC or Defy or or whatever it is. Or, you know, let's see how Cody handles himself against uh, Nick Gage or Chris Dickinson or, or guys that have, you know, they were the same. They're the same as our guys were a couple of years ago, a guy right. like Dickinson, you know. But then he got out to the West Coast. He got on the blood sport. He got on GCW. And... You know, he's the same guy he was seven years ago when he was a great solid wrestler working on the East Coast. Yeah. It's just now more people know who the hell the dirty daddy is. Yeah. And because he's put in the time, he's put in the effort, and it's the longevity. You know, uh, a guy like Cody has been doing similar things on the West Coast for maybe even longer than Dickens. Yeah. But. Because initially, as small as we were, we were just the local Vegas company, you know. We've been the local Vegas company for more years than we've been a company that's breaking out throughout the country. Right. You know, we probably got a couple of good years doing that. And almost one of them was stymied because of the pandemic. So, you know, 2019, we really turned the corner of what we were doing. And then, you know, halfway through the next year or a third of the way through, you know, things got closed up. Right. So now it's like trying to get back out there. You know, GCW is doing us more of a favor than we're doing for them. Right. They understand that we, 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 are, we have the, the, the talent base, the fan base in Vegas, and they're in here, but they can do well without us. They can definitely do a little better with us, but they're helping us in a broader sense. Right. FW versus GCW is not helping us in Vegas per se, because most of our fans were coming to our show regardless who it was. It isn't like we haven't booked Nick Gage before or Chris Dickinson. Right. Now, company versus company, which now on pay-per-view, there's GCW fans who may have kind of heard of us, but never saw a funny bone and never saw a Remy or a Hammerstone or a Chris. Well, yeah, they probably saw Chris, Bay. but even if they, because Chris Bay worked for GCW. Right. But the thing is a lot of those guys, you know, have now worked for them that worked for us. And now by doing a joint show and pitting them toe to toe, uh, and what should be some fucking bang up matches because now, not that anybody doesn't give a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure everyone is going to be on their a game because 
there's a much wider audience out there to impress. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't care what anybody says when you're wrestling in front of 40 people, I'm pretty sure it was a lot different than when you wrestled in front of 340 people at the anniversary show. Yeah. 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 What a crowd that was excited to be there. And it was the first opportunity to go out there. You know, it's amazing how a guy like TJ Perkins can go out there and what to him, here's a guy who wrestled in the fucking Tokyo Dome. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you know, he wrestles in an FSW show and you don't see any lack of effort. Like, yeah, well, maybe we should do 10 minutes in. You know, let's do a lot of mat wrestling. Like, he does his match regardless of where it is. Right. And that's how the majority of guys are. And hopefully the younger guys see that and it wears on them when they're watching and hopefully watching and paying attention to when we do bring in guys. Like, we had an EC3 seminar that everybody who was there, you know, was like, oh, wow, you know, this was – Far better expected because EC3, he's relatively young. His WWE run was fucking horrible. You know, Impact was great, but, you know, he kind of died off for a couple of years. And he's kind of reinvented himself and looks like $100 million. You know, looks yeah. so much different than when he was out here with us in like 2015. But I'll tell you what, man, here's a cat who really enjoys teaching. Yeah. You know? Was, was really surprising. Like, I remember when I talked a few months back when I saw him, and he was like, you know, he was basically talking about, because I was putting over, I always put over the Steve Carino seminar. And Steve Carino to me was like, I tell people, if there was a psycho, if there was a wrestling psycho, not even a psychology, if there was a wrestling class being taught at a university, Professor Steve Carino would be the guy to run it. Yeah. Because I remember he, and EC3 did the same thing, except Steve Carino was much smarter. He had me do it on white paper while EC3 had me do it on black paper. And I basically had to spend $56 in ink because making copies of his nine fucking page seminar booklet. You know, it's like, dude, you need to do white, white paper, white paper. It is white paper, not with the black background. It needs to ink. But the, the seminar was extremely impressive. Like, we did one a few weeks back with Gangrel, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. Well, Gangrel's been doing it for 25 years. So people in their mind, Gangrel runs a school. He worked at Rikishi's, ran to help run Rikishi's school, was in the Fed forever. You know, it's Gangrel. A lot of times the younger wrestlers or the guys still in it, the, the fans aren't as ecstatic about it. Like when we did a seminar with like Lance Hoyt or TJ Perkins or PJ Black, you know, the turnout was nowhere near what I would have thought. Right. Simon got, you know, because he didn't do much on the main roster. Simon Gotch became really, really more notoriety. He had more notoriety working the indies and NXT right. before the WWE run. But he's an awesome dude, and he is so knowledgeable, it's, it's, it's insane. And some of these younger kids, you know, it's what they grew up with. Yeah. So, you know, it's amazing how they don't take advantage 
of these seminars that are 25, 30 bucks. I've seen guys who barely made it who are charging 75 and 100 yeah. to do because everybody's getting their piece. I'm using our students. So having our students do it. So we're getting money from them. I don't need to gouge them. Like, sure, Jushin Liger, we did it with 75 bucks, but that's a once in a lifetime thing. Right. You know, I have a seminar with Gangrel for 30 bucks, and then you'll see it a month later on Facebook, someplace in the middle of nowhere will charge 75. Yep. No, Bubba Dudley, he did one in New Mexico. And it was like 75 or 100 bucks. We did it in Vegas. I think it was 40 bucks. Yeah. Ring of Honor, you know. So we try to give people as much opportunity to learn as possible. Yeah. And the. Um, and that's worth the value. It, that's, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the EC3 seminar, uh, you know, having watched a, a portion of it. Um, it was really informative, but it was really hands-on and the guys got a chance to, you know, really not only show in the ring stuff and get some critiques, but also the, um, the promo stuff. And that was, you know, it was incredible to watch that. Um, yeah, I, I thought because he told me to, to print up the booklet, I didn't think there was going to be any in-ring stuff at all. Which is fine because Raven did one that way and people were bitching about Raven. Oh, I didn't do anything in the ring. And it's like, okay, well, sorry Raven didn't have you do 100 squats. Instead, he was telling you about the psychology of the fucking business, you idiots. <laughs> you know? And it's the same thing with EC3. After the fact, he came up to me. He's like, bro, man, your students listen. They're willing to learn. And I've never seen a group of that many kids get it and know what they're doing. You know, I, I wish they would act that way during regular <laughs> classes, but hey, you, you, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> well, on, on that note, everyone, we're going to wrap up here. Um, just remember, uh, Saturday, uh, bell time, 7 p.m. Is that correct? Bell time is 7 p.m. Uh, Spider is taking over in production right now. And he's really trying to get things moving and shaking. Uh, I know we're going to have, I'm pretty certain, unless things have changed, but the, the Vegas Bad Boys pregame show. As, as far as we uh, know, it's, it's still on. Uh, so you can catch the, the pregame, uh, you know, learn a little bit about what's going on that night on the show and uh, go right into it uh, on the FSW Network. Um, and again, please subscribe to the network. You get shows like this for what is it, six ninety nine a month? I think it was six forty nine when I was looking. I was like, "That's weird." Can you just make it a uh, you know why not just make it seven bucks? But whatever. <laughs> so please um, subscribe and uh, check it out. And you can also see the back catalog of uh, you know almost everything that FSW has done, which is phenomenal. And uh, please keep listening to the Vegas Bad Boys. We appreciate everyone's support. And until next time, everyone, we'll see you then.